what? We gear up for Easter and everything is about Easter and then it's over. And then what are we going to do? So I want to read um, a couple of passages of scripture this morning that are essentially um, two different accounts of what happens after the first Easter, what happened after the resurrection. Um, so I want to look at um, these two uh, passages. So if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, the first one I'm going to have you look at is what we just saw in that video, and that's in Matthew uh, chapter 28. I mean, not 28, 29. Uh, and this is the Great Commission. We're very familiar with this passage. So if we'll start in verse 16, Matthew says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is essentially the mission of the church. And that's what I want to talk to you today. Now I want you to turn over a few more books. Uh, the first chapter of Acts. And this is a uh, a little bit different angle that Luke writes about the same uh, time period after um, the resurrection before Jesus has ascended. Chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time gonna restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what are our commands? So Easter has happened last week for us. The resurrection has happened for the apostles. What are our commands? Jesus lays them out in, in uh, both of those passages of what our commands are. I'm gonna tell you a story. Um, when I was in college, uh, I was at uh, WT, and every Thursday evening, um, the, the BSM down there put on uh, a worship night. And because you're in college, um, obviously sleep is not important, so it didn't start until like 10 o'clock on a Thursday night. Um, and so I, had, I went every week with friends and, and whatever. There's this particular Thursday night, I still remember it now, they would have these in different locations. So sometimes if the weather was nice, it would be outside. Uh, sometimes um, it would be in the chapel. Uh, other times it would be in the rec center. 
this particular evening, it was in the science building and it was in one of the science uh, lecture halls. So the way that worked is when you, you came in at the back and when you walked in, uh, you had theater seating and then down on the floor, um, there was, you know, a, a big table that had, you know, things like Bunsen burners and all that sciencey stuff that I don't remember because it's been a long time since I've had a science class. Um, and so the band set up down there and they brought in, you know, all their instruments and speakers and everything. Now, remember, this starts at 10 p.m., okay? And, and this wasn't just 30 or 45 minutes. I mean, this would go on for, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. And so I went with a girl um, and that was kind of sort of dating. And we, we went and I was tired, obviously. Um, and I kind of was getting sleepy as the night progressed. And so people would stand, people would sit, just kind of do their own thing. And so one time, at one point during the service, I decided, okay, I'm just, I'm going to sit down. And so I sat down. And then I thought, okay, I'm just going to kind of, you know, lay my head on my, on my arms, on, on my lap. Not a good idea because I fell asleep while the band, I mean, it's loud. I didn't realize that I had fallen asleep until I woke up. And I woke up and I didn't move and I thought, oh my gosh, I fell asleep, this is embarrassing. And then I realized it was really quiet in there. So I kind of gathered myself, I, you know, I didn't want to just instantly get up and look like I had been sleeping. So I sort of stayed in that position for a few minutes. And I finally got up enough courage to raise my head. The entire room was empty. Except for one person. And she was sweet and she had her hand on my back because in her mind I was praying. Yeah. I never told her. I don't know if she still lives in this area, but if she the reason she's watching, she's like, now it makes sense. Um I was so embarrassed. And I tell you that story because I think that's what we do as Christians, is that Easter gets here and everything is about that one week. And then we sort of sleepwalk. We sort of just, nothing else matters. And our journey, just for whatever reason, there's like a, a, an Easter hangover. And we have to be careful not to fall into that trap. We get complacent. Jesus lays out for us what the mission of the church is in Matthew 29. That we are to go to the ends of the earth and make disciples and baptize them. That is the mission of the church. If we as a church or churches across the globe refuse to fulfill the orders that Jesus gave to us in the Great Commission, he will use someone or something different to carry out his mission. Our number one responsibility is to look for the lost. Now there's a host of other responsibilities that the church needs to do, but this is, this is the main one. I read this story of a, uh, a guy who didn't show up to work. And so his boss calls house looking for him and 
little, I don't know, five-year-old boy answers the phone. He says, hello. And the guy's, you know, annoyed that this little boy has answered the phone because he wants to know why his employee didn't show up for work. And he was like, hi, um, is your dad home? And the little boy says, yes. He's, well, then can I talk to him? He said, no, he's busy. He said, well, is your mom home? Yes. Well, can I talk to her? No, she's busy. So at this point, he's getting really annoyed. He said, well, is there anyone else there? Yes. Well, who? Policeman. So now he's curious. Well, can I, can I talk to them? No. He's busy. He starts noticing, he's, he's hearing some strange noises coming through the phone, like just this loud noise. He said, what is that noise? And the little boy says, it's a helicopter. Helicopter? What, what is going on? He said, well, the fire truck and the policeman and the helicopter are all here. What are, what are they doing? They're, and the little boy chuckles and he says, they're looking for me. <laughs> we should be looking for the lost. In Acts chapter 1, in those verses 7 and 8, Jesus tells us that there is a time for waiting. He's telling his followers that there is a time for waiting. He tells them, don't leave Jerusalem. You need to wait because I have a plan. You need to wait to be equipped. I've promised you the Holy Spirit is coming. And, and you know, they don't grasp this. You have to understand this is, this is something new. You know, we, we, we've never lived life without, without that. And they were unsure exactly what this meant. The Holy Spirit comes to enlighten, to energize, to encourage, and to equip. Even when we don't feel like we know what we're doing. God knows what he's doing. And that, that reminds me so much of the song Waymaker. That even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. I'm so glad that we serve a God that is not dependent on our emotions. There was a man named David Smallbone who lived uh, in Australia. And in the mid-90s, he felt God was calling him to plan and promote Christian concerts in Australia. And so he started doing that. And if you're a concert promoters, is, everything they do is dependent on who shows up. I mean, that's how they get paid. Well, David wasn't doing a great job. He had promoted this concert and no one came, so he lost a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. He felt like a failure. So, remember, even when we don't know what we're doing, God knows what he's doing. So, he felt like God was, was asking 
he and his family to move to the U.S. Because he knew that he would never be able he would never be able to continue to do that in Australia after losing $250,000. So they moved to Nashville. When they first got to the U.S., they had nothing. Their children would even get odd jobs. Their oldest daughter would babysit, would clean. And when she would come home and she made 40 bucks, she would come and she would put it on the kitchen table. And their oldest son would go mow yards or rake leaves. And when he would get paid, he would come and he would put it on the kitchen table. The last thing on David's mind at this point was music because he had just failed miserably at it. But God knows what he's doing. David Smallbone and his wife Helen their oldest daughter's name is Rebecca. And by the early 2000s, she had become one of the most successful female Christian artists. But she wasn't known as Rebecca Smallbone, she was known as Rebecca St. James. And then they had two boys named Joel and Luke. You probably know them as the Christian group for King and Country. They're actually coming to Amarillo next month. And I'm going. Even when David didn't know what he was doing, God knew what he was doing. God knew that he wanted them in the U.S., that he wanted them in Nashville. And there's a whole lot more to that story, but I, didn't, I don't want to go into all that. But even when he had failed, God used that failure. Just like it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, that he, he, he has good plans for us. Even when David failed, that is when God was at his best. There was a time for waiting. When they moved, he didn't just jump back into music. There was a time for waiting. There's also a time for wondering. Wondering meaning, I wonder what God is doing. You know, have you experienced that God exceeds our expectations? but in ways that we didn't really see coming. You know, looking back there in scripture, you can see the apostles saying, hey, are, hey Jesus, are you, are you gonna restore the kingdom of Israel? And while that would have been great, God had bigger plans. He wasn't coming to restore an earthly kingdom. He was coming to give us a heavenly kingdom one that is eternal, one that cannot ever fade away. Our God also gives us endurance. I think we do a disservice to people when we tell them, you know, you need to follow Jesus because once you follow Jesus, you won't have problems anymore and everything's gonna be great. And that is just not true. The journey is hard, but that's what builds our character. Paul writes in Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. He also gives us enthusiasm. You know, we are to be cheerful in tough times. We are to always have joy and never lose our joy. Paul also says in Romans 
chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There's also a time for working. Sharing the gospel isn't optional. Jesus told us in Matthew that we are to share the gospel, that we are to make disciples. Every single one of us who is a follower of Jesus has a spiritual gift and we need to use them. The church has a duty to fulfill its mission and our message in that mission is to proclaim that Jesus saves. Sometimes we miss the mark. We get so busy with even the work of the church that we forget the simplicity of the message. So now what? We need to be telling people why Jesus Christ is our living hope. We're fixing to sing that song in just a moment. Why Jesus is our living hope. Why it is that we praise him when we come on a Sunday morning and we lift our hands, we close our eyes. We need to be telling people how he has set us free. For some, he may have physically set you free from something. But at the very least, he has set us free because as followers of Jesus, we know that we will go to heaven. We know that we will spend eternity with him. Death is not the end. I love that line in the song that says, death has lost its grip on me. Death is not the end. Death is the beginning. He has broken every chain. So as we're singing this song here this morning in a moment, I want you to think about the lines of this song. Think about what God is calling you to do, calling us as Journey Church to do. We're gonna have a baptism Sunday coming up. That's where Sheldon is this morning. He's back there with our students and our preteens. Talking about baptism, why it's important. On May the 15th, we're gonna have a baptism Sunday. And there is no more powerful message than to see someone who has given their life to Christ to come and to be baptized, representing that the old is gone and that they are a new creation. So I want to encourage you to do something this morning. Here in a moment, there's going to be some people that are going to come up here and stand. Our journey care team, uh, some pastors. They would be honored to pray with you. Maybe you've been fighting God. Maybe he's asked you to do something and you don't want to do it. I want you to ask yourself this question this morning. Why is Jesus my living hope?
Or maybe you say, actually, he's, he's not. I haven't started my journey of faith yet. There's no better time than today. I'll be down front. Some of our prayer team will be down front. I would love to pray with you, help you start that journey. Because that is what the mission of the church is. Pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, what an honor it is to preach the gospel. What an honor it is to worship your name. You are our living hope. Father, I pray that lives would be changed today, not because of some words that I said, but because of you. Father, I pray that this song we're about to sing would just hit us a little different today as we sing the words that Jesus Christ is my living hope. Father, I pray that we would believe what we sing this morning. I pray that people would come move in this room precious. In your holy name I pray. Amen. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is risen jesus christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom boundless grace the God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken I am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my 
You guys have a seat real quick. A uh, couple announcements that we want to make you aware of. Uh, Journey Students is having a snack in the act tonight. The address is on the screen. It's from 6 to 7.30. So parents of 6th through 12th graders, write that down. Write that address down. Because inevitably we'll get texts. But where is that at tonight? I'm sure it'll be put on uh, social media as well. Uh, but uh, be sure and, and, and write that down. It's just north of Canyon is where that address is. Is that on so. the Church Center app? Jesse? I wasn't going to do this, but since Jesse talked, I'm, I'm going to do this. So a couple Wednesday nights ago, I'm going to tell you this story. This is a great story. And this is why he's not singing today, by the way. Yeah. 
A couple Wednesday nights ago, um, our group served. So uh, Amanda and I were in um, the the baby room, which really on Wednesday nights is like four and under. And everyone knows Carson. You know that's Carson's dad. And he's Carson's hilarious. Uh, Carson also has opinions. Um, and so Carson comes in and he said, "Hey, Brad." He said, "You sing Reckless Love." And I said, well, I used to. I said, your dad usually sings it now. And he looks at me and he goes, you don't sing it very well. <laughs> yeah. So in a related note, this is Jesse's last week. Trinity down the road down here. <laughs> Come see me. Carson is funny. He also said the first Sunday that he came and the brick had been painted, he said, I like the brown better. So full of opinions, even at three years old. Um, anyway, back to the announcements. Um, Senior Sunday is coming on May 8th. We're going to be recognizing our graduating seniors.